Welcome to Frankly Speaking Podcast. What it do, what it do. How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? I hope you're feeling well. Hope you're feeling great. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Frank G. And, you know, this episode is one that I have kind of been hesitant to do because I'm still learning about the topic myself. It is such a rabbit hole, but we're going to touch on it a little bit. And what this episode is titled is, the title is not what it seems. And the reason why I decided to make that the title is because there are so many things that seem to be one way but are actually something totally different and this topic kind of came out of something completely unrelated but in a way it is related so I was watching I mean not watching because you can't watch it but I was keeping track with the you know Maxwell case the lady that was uh, Epstein's uh, partner, basically. And if you don't know, her trial has started. It started on the 29th. Uh, today would have, well, Wednesday would have been the third day, I believe. And so they're, you know, cross-examining and things like that. And uh, before the trial came out in which kind of spurred this whole rabbit hole I've been going down in the last few weeks and it's part of the reason why I've postponed putting out an episode is there was a uh see if I can find it here okay here we go so there was a list of co-conspirators that was published and if the list is to be correct, which it seems to be, um, there are some names on this list and I'll link this, uh, page to in the show notes. So you can, you know, go look at the list yourself. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's a quite interesting names on here to be quite honest with you. Uh, and you know, there's a lot going on surrounding this case. There, there seems to be a lot of people, you know, stepping down, allegedly, you know, there's been a couple of uh, interesting developments in the entertainment industry. And the names that are on this list. So when you go to the list and when you see the list here, um, there's about 38 names on here. Some not named. There are some very prominent black names on here and this is where my mind just took off when I seen this so uh 
like, for example, number one is the 1953 Trust as a defendant, Harvey Weinstein as a defendant, Sean Carter as a defendant. Yes, that same Sean Carter, uh, Jay-Z. Uh, there it goes on down the list here. He's actually number three. Um, Miramax Films is on there. Walt Disney Company, Def Jam Records, Rock Nation, Universal Mu Music Group. Beyonce Knowles, Kanye West, uh, Dwayne Carter, if, you know, Lil Wayne, Young Money Entertainment, Good Good Music, you know, and, and it's, it just goes on and Sprint, Viacom, Virgil Abloh, he just passed, uh, Jesseline Maxwell, who's on trial, the city of New York, New York City Police Department. Sir Philip Green, Sony Entertainment. Then they have about a hundred John Does and a hundred Jane Does and a hundred Corporation Does. So there's a lot of quote unquote prominent people that are, you know, listed here. And, you know, like I said, you have a bunch of John and Jane Does and Corporation Does on there as well. So it, it, it's, it, it's incredible. But more so, I, that the thing that really kind of piqued my interest is Sean Carter, Beyonce Knowles, Def Jam Records, Rock Nation, Universal Music Group, which you know, if you don't know about Universal Music Group, Universal pretty much is one of the, you know, houses that own all the music that you love. Uh, Young Money, Dwayne Carter, you know, Virgil. These are you know, black people, right, who you would never expect to be caught up in some nonsense like this. You know, this case is about child trafficking and having sex with children, you know, or lewd acts with children. This is what this is about, you know, and um it, it kind of begs the question and the question that it outside of the, what the case is actually about, which is ridiculous. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's shameful to be honest. Uh, what this, what, what it points to is there are black folk that are in and amongst us that are not on the same team as the rest of us, you know, and it, it kind of points to an, almost like an elite society that no one seems to talk about. We know that they're there and the name that they go by is the boule. Now, it, some of you might have heard of the boule. Some of you, this might be the first time you're hearing about the boule. Either way, what side of the aisle that you're on, whether you heard about them or you haven't there, you don't know enough information about them. It, it just because they're almost obscure to the point where you would never think that there's a group of black men and women, mostly men, though, that run in these circles with these other people, these white people who are doing these type of things. And they honestly, they they. They work as gatekeepers for these white folk that are in prominent power and 
more interestingly, as I started to dig into this and the boule was actually started and founded in Philadelphia with big ties to Delaware as well. Men like um, Asbloom Jones, who, you know, was from Delaware, who was one of the ministers that is responsible for kind of pushing the boule and their ideology or the supreme white supremacy ideology through the boule onto the regular black folk in the area through religion. So it it, it, it kind of, you know, it's this stuff is, is mind blowing and excuse my, you know, my stuttering and things like that, or my, you know, the stammering, I'm just trying to get my thoughts around it that it makes sense, but it's, it's, it's so jarring that you're being gatekeep, you know, there's gatekeepers that look like you that are actually against you and that are against you thriving and living the life that you want to live and having a, a community and having a culture that is, you know, more humanistic and not so much trying to protect these people that are perpetuating death and destruction and selfishness and, you know, all of those adjectives that you want to use there, right? And it just, you know, people like, for example, I've been on this podcast and I spoke about the miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. One of the men who, when you, if you read that book, then, you know, you know, it was a pretty scathing, scathing, um, expose of how society kind of deals with the black man, right? Coming to find out that he himself also ran in them prominent white elite groups where he was being backed by these prominent elite groups of white men and bankers. Du Bois was also one of those type of men who was being backed by those bankers who had prominent relationships with the Rock, the Rockefellers and all of those type of men. Booker T. Washington, another one, a mulatto, just like uh, Woodson and all the rest of them that those these the black men who we the society holds up so high and it makes you it kind of makes you beg the question because we know a lot of times when society is pushing the media is pushing it and the school systems are pushing something in front of you you got to question it and so why haven't we ever really questioned the black men and the black women that they were holding up in high esteem we know that this is a the system is corrupt. We know that this system is not going to really tell you the flat out truth about something. There's always a spin to it. So why have we never sat down and thought about and said, yo, let's question these black men too. We do it about the, the, the basketball players and the football players, the people in entertainment. We know they bought and sold, but we've never really sat back and said, oh, could the scholars be that way too? We know what happens with black academia and the 
uh, the uppityness, <laughs> for lack of a better term, or the, the bouginess, per se, right? So how are they getting, you know, how are they perpetuated in such a light in this world, in this system where we know that it wouldn't be possible otherwise unless they're being backed? Martin King, another one that they, you know, he was held as a God status, was also backed by those bankers. Marcus Garvey, another one, had prominent backing from uh, the bankers and, you know, the steel mint industry and all, all of those type of things. The Rosenwalds of the, of the world financing their, you know, kind of push through society to push these, you know, ideologies of self-actualization and, you know, all of those type of ideologies that Marcus Garvey was pushing. He was being financed, you know, men like um, Malcolm X, who knew about these boule, you know, and who was, you know, ultimately taken out because of that. He knew about the boule. And what happened was the only reason why you get taken out, it seems like the Kennedy brothers was taken out tied to the same thing because anytime that you put risk to the actual real establishment behind the pseudo establishment up front the boule the you know the small little gangs the the clan and all those type of those small people they they not they just a front the clan is not your uh they're not walking into your neighborhood doing anything to you they're just they're like the boogeyman almost at this point. So the real people who have the power they're these other front groups are basically protecting them. You see what I'm saying? So, and you know, you don't get to see it because for example, and I'm going to play this clip by Steve Coakley. Cause I really think that it, it's really going to tie home to what I'm talking about right now. I'm going to link to these, to these videos in the show notes. I'm a, you know, cause I'm going to do another episode on this, you know, as I get deeper into the research and, but I just needed to get my thoughts out and wanted to tell you all what I've been working on and showing you what I've been working on because I've came to a, a point where the, past episodes that I've spoken about have been great. The topics are very important. However, there comes a time where we got to move on from them things. And I, I am going to do other episodes about, you know, persistence and how that's going to you know help in all those things in your life. Those are just certain levels of character and consciousness that are just base level things. And we need to, you know, get so more of the deeper goings on around us. And before we, you know, get into this clip here uh, by Steve Coakley, I, I need to give you a base definition of what boule means. So when you look up boule, it's going to come up as a metal ball used in a French game of boules. Uh, 
number two would be a round loaf of crusty bread. But that's not the important part. The third one is a legislative body of ancient or modern Greece, which the Greek societies are based on. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into this clip with Steve Coakley. Southern California KPFK, Brother Steve Coakley. Hey, good evening, brother. One of our great researchers that have exposed the boule, a phenomenon that most of us in the movement never knew about until you came and brought light, took the uh, sheets off of these Negro clan members and explained to us what the boule is all about. So what we'd like for you to do is tell us the history of the boule, who the boule are, the origins, and the relationship to the ruling class. Thank you, brother. Uh, one, I would uh, thank you for uh, hosting me and my friends here and appreciate you and all your company. Uh, everybody's excessively intense, and that is the demand of the day. Um, this secret society, this black, this particular black secret society that we'll talk about today is the first of the black Greek societies started in 1904, and that word that you said, boule, is actually an acronym. It's a Sigma Pi Phi, Sigma Pi Phi, 1904 in Philadelphia. And for most of our people, uh, we are not prepped to the responsibility of secret society in the American society. Mm -hmm. And this founding constitution, this illegal criminal enterprise was a Masonic affair. And uh, a masonry is a form of secret society. There are other well-known secret societies like Skull and Bones at Yale, of which this corrupt president and his father were members of. And it is that society that the black society modeled itself after. So when they wrote their first history book, The History of Sigma Pi Phi, by a very noted black author, university president Charles Wesley, who wrote the history book for the Elks, the Prince Hall Masons, uh, National Council of Negro Women, Alpha Phi Alpha, and Sigma Pi Phi. And as a result, in there, in page 28 of its first history book, it noted that it wanted to be like Skull and Bones at Yale. It was right here in Los Angeles at the Good Life on a Friday night. If you remember this time, the NAACP had a convention here, and LeGrand Cleague and Marla Gibbs were accused of making inflammatory statements. Working with Dr. Graham's book, The Mannequin Line Motif. Yes, that weekend, the Boule was meeting here, July yeah. of 1990. They were having their twice every other year, uh, every other year convention, biannual. And it was a front page article in the LA Times by Karen Gridsby Gates, mm -hmm. who uh, denoted that these elite black men were meeting in Los Angeles at this time. That was the first. I remember sending someone to the car to bring it in, and we read it from the stage of the Boule. On July 18th, the day the story appeared, front page L.A. Times. And I thought it was unusual that the L.A. Times knew of this society, and I didn't know of them. Now, for our audience to understand, I'm starting off trying to explain to black people the impact of international policy groups like the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, when the bankers began to take over the American cities in the 70s, New York 75, Cleveland 77, Chicago 79, and here in California, they used Proposition 13 to suck up the surplus out the budget. And bankers began to take over from municipalities the governing of the cities. Mm -hmm. And as I was scratching, I could not figure out how was there such black complicity in this centralization of worldwide power, the new world order. Uh, it's on the dollar bill, pyramid by white men who never built one. Mm -hmm. 
never saw one, but they emulated this symbol. And now comes a series of societies, and now comes forth this black one in 1904. As we began to read deeper, it had another analogy in the story to Skull and Bones. It wasn't until we got the history book that the analogy that looked happenstantial in the story in the L.A. Times was actually deeper uh, in the actual history book where they drew attention to Skull and Bones. It denoted that W.E.B. Du Bois was a member, and it began to describe uh, people, uh, influential people in the present-day society, and historically, uh, our uh, university, historically black college presidents, are primarily coming out of this uh, advisors to the king. And that word, that boule word, can be looked up in a encyclopedia. Well, now people don't use them, they use internet. And that's a dangerous thing, a dangerous dependency. But boule, B-O-U-L-E, the Greek version. There's a French version that's a coming together, a conclave, the AKA called their convention, the boule. But the Greek word is what we're looking for, the advisors to the king. The lower house of the Greek parliament is called boule. And if you know the American congressional system, Senate, six years, more power, authority, only 100, two per state. Congress, 435, have to run every two years. Your lower house has less power and authority. So it appears as if in finding the boule that within it was a subordination to something else. And in its history book, it drew attention. Here's a logo. And this is a... Uh, their logo is a Grecian Sphinx. It's an animal. And this Grecian Sphinx is similar to a griffin or a gargoyle. Kind of ironically, the Boulay had their convention in Los Angeles in 1941. And where else? Griffin Park. And this, this logo, this symbol, is a guardian animal. This would be similar to a Rockweiler or a dog or a German Shepherd. They tend to protect something higher than itself. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I went to Howard University, for instance, and a number of African so-called Greek societies, fraternities, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well as in our communities, a number of secret, semi-secret organizations. How is the Boulay different than the numerous fraternities and groups in our community? What is the relationship to the ruling class? Father, son. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, nine, nine make up the axis of the black Greek dynasty. There are four male societies, four female societies, and the Boule make the ninth one. Mm -hmm. the, the, they're the first, 1904 series, the Alphas. Uh, uh, I, I'm not uh, versed in the exact order, but I, I have all of their history books. Mm -hmm. And uh, each of them draw attention to things where they got their ritual from. The Deltas uh, draw attention to Freemasonry, said our ritual came from Mary Church Terrell, mm -hmm. whose husband, Robert Terrell, was head of the Masonic Lodge in Washington, D.C., Mary Church Terrell, Mary Church, is the daughter of the first black millionaire in America, Robert Church of Memphis, Tennessee. Huge mausoleum to him there. Those societies, uh, those four male, those four female, and the boule, tend to make up a, a aristocracy. We talked in the park about the 10%. Uh, not, not in the sense of us in exclusivity, but them in the terms of deputizing 10% of the population to assure that the 90% never catch on. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to know that if you look to Alpha Phi Alpha website, there's Alphas, uh, Kappas, Qs, and Phi Beta Sigma. There's uh, Zeta Phi Beta, Delta Sigma Theta, AKA, and Delta, uh, I'm missing somebody, uh, Sigma Gamma Rho. Uh, if you look to, say, the Alpha website, they brag about being 95% of all black lawyers. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the alphas are 95% of the black lawyers. What does that leave the Kappas, the Qs? Okay, now we're in the 90s. They claim to be uh, uh, 65% of the black accountants, uh, the lawyers, the doctors, dominating. And it may be that our professions are dominated by people in the Greek societies. At Howard, there was a student that I tried to help get a doctorate in engineering. Very exclusive about giving them out. If you get one, you're set for life. Morgan State, Howard are very exclusive. Took big money from governments to make engineers, but the brothers, wasn't, they weren't coming out. And when we got deeply involved, uh, we found how close-knit, how selective the professional process is. So he ended up at the patent office. He was a kappa. He said, we have 15 blacks, one female, 14 brothers, and all 14 of us are kappas. Only kappas going to get in here. And, and there are jobs all over where we think we're applying for something fair and open. But I would suggest that the ruling class recognize this was a very significant period, Didon, when they decided that they would give a college degree mm -hmm. to a person of African ancestry in America who, after Reconstruction, should have been pretty pissed off. So that was the clip. And the gentleman's name is Steve Coakley. He's uh, already transitioned in life. Uh, he's no longer with us. However, he is a very prominent researcher. Um, and if you get a chance, and like I said, I'll link to uh, that video. But I also wanted to bring attention to a very, very good series about the boule on YouTube. And I'll link to that, too. Um, it is recent. It started in September of 2021, so this year, and uh, it's it's fantastic. It's really, really good, and it really is essential listening and watching because it really opens up the mind, and it, and it, and it shatters you because it lets you know that all people who look like you are not with you, and this has been the problem from day one. You know, and it and that series kind of goes in. It talks about the boule, the inception of the boule, uh, the founders, you know, starting in Philadelphia uh, with ties in Delaware, you know, all those type of thing all over the country. All those, you know, those super, you know, excellent black excellence. You know, remember when that term was going around in social media, black excellence, all that stuff. That's who they're talking about. They're not talking about you. Just because you got honor roll at school, they're not. You're not what they're talking about when they mean black excellence. You know, because some of the prerequisites to even get into the boule per se, you know, were you had to be elite or excellent in your field. You had to have the financial backing. You had to have the legacy, the fi the family, all those type of things. So. And these people, you know, sit on boards, they they gatekeep in, in a way because you you think that, you know, as he said, you think that you're applying for something that's open for everybody. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah, it's, you know, it's a black man up there. You know, maybe I have a shot. You ain't got no shot because he said he's on one of them secret societies. He's in one of them Greek societies and they're not allowing you, no one in but themselves. You see what I'm saying? And that's a problem. And, you know, there's a thing called neptitism where you practice and you allow your own people, you know, if you're in a position to hire, for example, 
you know, the Europeans in this in this world have been doing it their entire lives, and there's nothing wrong with nepotism. There is and there isn't. You know, because what happens is you have a black woman, a black man that goes for a position versus a white woman or a white man or Arab man, you know, whatever, or an Arab woman. And depending who's in the role to hire, they're most of the time going to lean to whoever is that looks like them. It shouldn't happen that way, but it does. It works when it benefits you, you know, and it's trash when it doesn't benefit you. But, you know, so there's a double edged sword with nepotism. However, this is something different. This is not nepotism in the point where they're not even going to consider you if you're not part of their club. So I guess I mean, I guess that is a form of it in a way. But. And, and, and it keeps people down and out. You see what I'm saying? And when I was looking at that list for Jesseline Maxwell's, you know, co-conspirator case, you know, like I said, if that list is actually real, um, that list has been floating around for a few months. But when they were put, it came out when they were putting the case together, when they you know announced that she was going to get put on trial, that list came out. But. You know, I started looking around. I, you know, did a quick Google search, and I, I seen a uh, image, that same logo that Coakley was speaking about in the in the clip. The uh, the uh, what did he call it? Um, it's like a little Sphinx type thing. LeBron James has it tattooed on his chest. So if you Google LeBron James, uh. A Grecian Sphinx is what it's called. There it is. Whew, man, memory is a crazy thing. A Grecian Sphinx. And if you Google that, you know, Google LeBron James uh, chest tattoo. That's what that is, a Grecian Sphinx. So that there lets you know, because that, that's a very particular thing. You know what I'm saying? It, it's very, you know, you, most people don't even know what that is if if they even seen it before. So it's not going to be like, oh, he walked in a tattoo parlor and be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Let me get that. No, that's not. No. So, you know, but, you know, I, and, and that's what I've been kind of looking into the last few weeks. It was started off pretty slow, but then it started to pick up. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I just got to. You know, I'm gonna just get this out, get these ideas off, and and put it out into the universe again. It, it's been out, but it seems to have been died out. You know, there's not too many people talking about it. And you know, when I came across that Boulay series, that kind of you know, because I've heard about it, you know, reading these books and all those type of things, you know, a few years ago, but I never really paid any any mind to it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, because I actually thought, which was a misleading thought. I actually thought that this boulet thing was kind of a good idea at first. You know, I just like I thought pan-Africanism was a good idea, but it's just propaganda. Just like I thought, you know, so all of these black men that was, you know, raised up and applauded as, you know, gods amongst their own people come to turn turn out to be sellouts in a way, one way or another. And the ones that, you know, started to get to a point where they were, 
you know, threatening the status quo were taken out because, you know, King Martin King was also, and you'll find that out. They talk about it in the series as well. And what I, this is something that I've talked about before, but Martin King, when he was, you know, before he met the bullet, uh, unfortunately, he was fine up until he started to get international. He was fine before he started to appeal to the international human body with the his protests against the war and all those type of things. You know, same thing with X. He was fine until, you know, he started to really rile up because X and King and Garvey, they all knew about these you know, what the boule was and what they were supposed to do because they were pretty much a part of it and who they were supposed to protect. This is why none of them ever really spoke about the people behind the scenes, but X did a little bit. King did a little bit when he started to protest the war and all those type of things. So now you're, um, you're shaking the tree. You see what I'm saying? In a way. And this can't be, you know, and you already saw what happened to him. So, like I said, I'm going to link to those. And I I really want, if you're listening to this episode, it's a short episode. I really want you all to, you know, go watch that series that I'm going to link in the show notes. Because when we come back, I'm going to do a part two. I'm going to do another episode on this a more extensive episode but this one is just kind of I just wanted to get it like get it out there on what the project is and I want you all to do it with me it's just not I go get the information bring it we're all learning together and this is what I want this podcast to be about I want it to be a learning together type of experience so with that look forward and I'll let you know when the uh the next you know keep an eye on the podcast page on Instagram so I, I'll, I'll let you know when the next episode of the Boule series will you know come in it'll be a little bit longer a little bit more detail and we and I'll get into some things that I've noticed in my own life you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so but until then watch that series take some notes you know tell a friend about it because it's an excellent excellent series and and especially if you're in the black community you need to know that there are people out there who look like you and they're not a part of you you know and even more so for those of you who do listen to my podcast and who have pledged to any of those various um, fraternities or sororities I doubt that you knew I'm gonna just say that I, 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 I highly doubt that you really knew the history of what you were getting yourself into. You know, all you saw was the they just sold the benefits of it to you. They didn't really tell you the nefarious history behind any of it. And even if you did know, I mean, you shit, if you did really know, then you probably your family is probably runs with some of the Boulay families in a way. So, uh, but odds are you didn't know and now that you've already pledged my question is now if you do this if you are a part of the 
you know, any fraternity and sororities, right? And you do go watch that series. And what do you do with that? And, and you see the history of it and what it was put in place to do. How do you reconcile with that? You know, is it one of those things where you just turn a blind eye and just say, oh, well, I'm here now type thing, you know, uh, which there's a, a the high probability that that's probably what's happening um, because you you're entrapped at this point. You don't put so much effort in, you don't pay so much money, your uh, your initiation the bullshit that you did to initiate into it or whatever they told you to do to initiate into it that kind of, you know, um, really sold yourself out for some of you. Now, all of you didn't have to do no ridiculous nonsense. That's true. But some of you did some and, and you'll never talk about it because you're sworn to secrecy now. You see what I'm saying? So it not that this makes you a terrible person or a bad person if if you didn't know but now that you know what, what do you do about that do you continue to propagate this stuff or do you say you know what i didn't know but now that i know i'm no longer going to associate myself with that but how do you just unplug from something that you've put so much time and effort and you've gotten so much praise for and you know your mentors and <laughs> your line sisters or line brothers all of all, you know, the entire circus that you've been a part of for many years now, probably, you know, how do you reconcile with something like that? Knowing that you entered in something that you had no idea what it was in the first place was just, you know, kind of just drawn to it because of the, the so-called benefits that they sold you, you know, you didn't have any real background on what a Greek society is really about, what the Greek society stands for in the first place. And then to enter into something with a black Greek society, like, I mean, you know, cause I was approached a few times to pledge, um, by a couple or two of those uh, fraternities and I turned them both down and I just didn't want to, at the time, I just wasn't interested. I didn't like the antics then like the jumping around and the, you know, it just didn't appeal to me. You know, what, what did be, appeal to me was the networking was very appealing. I will agree. I will admit to that. The networking was very appealing. However, the overall energy that I got off of those people and the idea of it, because I didn't know the history of it back then either. So, but just, I just listened to my intuition at that point And it was just like, nah. So, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I know friends that are fraternity in fraternities and sororities and they good people. And I think those people don't know, you know? So, uh, like I said, so just to go back, you know, just briefly and, you know, talk about it a little bit. So just to recap, right. And so we know the boule, otherwise known as you know sigma pi phi founded in philadelphia may 15th 1904 you know it wanted to structure itself off a masonic structure uh wanted to be kind of modeled after the skull and bones if you don't know about the skull and bones i would 
look up that secret society. I think Skull and Bones is out of Yale. If I'm not mistaken, maybe Yale or Harvard, but I think it's Yale. Uh, I think the trilateral came out of Harvard. It might be reversed, but either way, they came out of one of them two schools. And, um, you know, with the, it eventually turned into a cover for what, you know, because as he, you know, as Steve Coakley said in the, in the, uh, in his clip there, that what the definition of boule is was a you know and i'll read it a legislative body of ancient or modern greece is what the boule is so now you have a group of you know black men who are calling themselves boule and be and starting a foundation of a black greek society in that vein you know a black legislative body you know so you have to you have to as, as i said you have to think about like how are these people able to do these things we know that anything that threatens you know you had your you know successful black towns and you know the carolinas that they blew up the success you know tulsa oklahoma those type of places where that were separate from those type of secret societies and they didn't make it but these people are allowed to make it. So you have to really understand, you know, you got to ask yourself, well, how are these people allowed to, these men allowed to do whatever they want to do and, you know, for to an extent and thrive and, you know, be amongst all of these, you know, really wealthy business, white businessmen and nothing's happening to them. They're not getting killed or anything like that. You got to pay attention. You got to remember, not so much pay attention, but you do got to pay attention to history, but you you got to look at the time. You're in 1904. This is right after the Reconstruction, right before Jim Crow law. So, what do you think the 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 overall, you know, energy and sentiment was in the country at that time? It wasn't about, you know, so much. Yes, this was as I said, it was after the Reconstruction. So, you know, the, the abolishment of slavery and all the things happened. Uh, it's after the Civil War. So, yes, there were some, you know, prominent men, but there was a lot of brilliant men that tried to do things and that didn't make it. But yet, just a few years later, you know, you're able to have these doctors and, you know, uh, the Sigma Pi Phi come around out of Philadelphia again. And with these doctors, it was like four or five doctors or something. It's like six of them, four doctors, a dentist and I think uh, pharmacists is if if i'm not mistaken uh and still even though this is the north and the northeast something else is happening in, in my view and that's what this is all about really so so then we look at the some of the people who were sigma pi phi you know initiates at that time you know and throughout you know just i'll name a few names here uh the w E.B. Du Bois, Carter G. Woodson, the one that wrote The Miseducation of the Negro, who's also, he's, you know, championed as the father of um, black history. You have Charles R. Drew. Uh, Charles R. Drew, R. Drew is a interesting guy, a brilliant 
man, he uh, is the one that kind of came up with the process of blood plasma. So why you can do blood transfusions and all that stuff. He, that black man is the one, the reason why you're able to save blood and transfuse blood in the manner that we do now with blood plasma. So, and then you have another member of the Sigma Phi Phi, which is Martin King. So again, you know, these prominent black men, we thinking that they're really champions of, you know, society and, and, and rights and pushing people forward. Yes, they're brilliant men. However, they were being bought and they were being allowed to be who they were because they were under the thumb of the people financing them behind them. For example, Booker T. Washington, um, you know, he he was a mixed guy, you know, his family was mixed. He's uh, born a slave and all that stuff. And um, he got into a point, he got to a point in his life where he was running with, you know, people like, you know, Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, that Andrew Carnegie. And he and Andrew Carnegie, for example, they started the, um, uh, what was that thing called? The National Negro Business League. What and all, I mean, what does Andrew Carnegie have any business doing founding anything in regards to the Negroes? Like why, I mean, you, what, what, what benefit is he getting from that? Cause he's not these, these I mean, this, this is Andrew Carnegie, you know, uh, master of industry. You, you see what I'm saying? Like he's not doing this just because he's philanthropic. He's doing it because he's getting a benefit from it. He's doing it because he can control something. And when you make an organization such like this, the uh, National Negro Business League, you can imagine what they were into and what they're, you know, what they tried to do as an organization. So as if you're Andrew Carnegie, knowing about Andrew Carnegie, you all learned about him in school. What was his number one thing? You know, he wasn't worried about no black folk. He was worried about control and manipulation and monopolies and all, you know, cornering the markets for his own gain and people like himself. Booker T. Washington was not like himself. You know, Booker T. then had the money. All that money was fronted from Carnegie. So you already know what the relationship was on the back end. So, you know, like I said, just like it's just so many people that have been paraded in front of us as these great people and not to say they haven't pushed society forward because a lot of them have. However, at what cost, you know, like they erase that part of the history out of when they're talking about these people, they never tell you that they were being financed. They never told you that Martin King was being financed by these people. They never told you all of these people that, you know, these streets are named after and all that they teach us in history books have been compromised you know so uh it's it's a lot and i and i really think that you know uh, like i said i've probably said it a few times now uh i really hope that you all you know click on the link and watch that series and you know tell your friends and family about it and and, and get into it you know pick up those history books um that was talked about in the in the clip with uh, Steve Coakley and read them, you know you can get the information. I'll link to an article 
that also talks about the the Sigma Pi Phi um, history. A brief, it's very brief and it's very good. It's, it's pretty concise. It was written by one of the Grand Masters of uh, one of the Masonic Lodges. Uh, so I'll link to that as well. Like I said, and, and I'll look in, you know, I definitely want to do another uh, episode on this whole topic because there's so much more going on and, and I will. And uh, but until then, you know, do you do diligence? If this is something that you really want to know about, I'm just sharing where I'm at and what I'm looking into. I have so much other articles and books to get through and that I bought this month. And right now, this is where you know the spirit of information and knowledge is taking me right now so with that it's been real peace